once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Ruber Tower, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa New to PapaNew.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Contraman Ali of TheContraman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Angela Marie Horner of AngelaMarieHorner.com in Santa Rosa, California, bringing us today's topic on putting spells to sleep and waking them back up. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjurer, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Ms. Cat and Conjurman Ali. Ms. Cat? Hi. So nice to be here. A little out of breath. Um, I want to start by thanking you all for being on time. I barely made it. Um, Barely. (laughs) Steve and Summer and I were down at the fabulous storage unit number 79, the big storage unit, putting away um, overstock herbs, bringing back understocked herbs, and um, uh, assembling and moving boxes. And, um, man, we really, um, really did a lot of work in a couple of hours. And we are doing this because we are having an apprenticeship on August 12th to the 16th, on the subject of herbs as well as candles. And I needed to bring up all these herbs from Overstock because we are going to be bagging, weighing, and bagging herbs and discussing their use in medicine and magic. And so we are ready to go. The pop tents are up. The tables are in, covered with clean white paper. The chairs are in place. Everything is ready to go. And and also... My dear loved one um, will be glad to know that Steve is competent and willing and interested in assembling steel shelving. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and the incense boxes will fit in the steel shelving as now constituted. Good. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Unit 79 is big enough to put a small uh, fishing boat in. It's one of those large, large units designed for fishing boats, and we're trying to fill it in constructive ways since we don't have a fishing boat, but we have, you know, about 10,000 candles, and we also have about 10, well, no, about 7,000 crystal balls, and and all these excess herbs, church fans, and, um, oh, I guess 20,000 books. So, anyway... We're we're uh, working hard. That is all I have to report about my life today, because that's all I've been working on. <laughs> and getting ready for the apprenticeship um, is always a big to do, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. And um, tomorrow we'll be doing um, a lecture on the use of herbs in folk magic, uh, 
primarily, of course, in African-American hoodoo, but there's going to be reference to where some of those herbs came from because they're not African herbs and so did not come with the slaves from Africa. They were adopted by African-American people along the way, some of them from other places. And so we're going to have a whole long talk about uh, the commerce in herbs and the commerce in magical, medical, and culinary herbs. And that's what we'll be talking about. Then we're going to sit around with our little scales, weighing out herbs and bagging them as I ramble endlessly about the role of herbs in magic. And then on uh, Wednesday, we'll be talking about um, candles. And on Thursday, we'll be uh, dressing candles. And on Friday, it'll be special washes and waters. So if you're a graduate of my class and you're missing out on these free apprenticeship weeks, think about it. I don't know when the next one will be. We'll we'll have it set up. But we I do these at least twice a year, sometimes three times a year. It just depends on when the students can get together and have a time period to organize one of these. Probably the next one will be in spring. If they're kind of hard to hold in the winter because there's so many people, we have to be outdoors under pop-up tents. And that's not so cool in the rain. So think about it. If you're a student, graduate. Come out for one of these free apprenticeship weeks. You learn how to make and do. You learn how to be with your community. You learn a lot about people. Um, Yes, and in fact, um, uh, in the chat room, Nagashiva said they did it. They organized August. And um, some of the people who organized it were unable to attend. Sorry about that. (laughs) Well, once it was organized, it was organized. But we're going to have a nice group, a smallish group this time for August. Sometimes we have 25 people. Sometimes we have 10. Eh, You know, it varies. Okay. Um, Now, I will turn this over to my dear friend, Conjurman Ali, and he will tell us what's going on in his world and can we have a little bit of a political update just for the ages of people who will listen later? <laughs> yes, uh, we, we most certainly uh, can. Um, thank you. Uh, on personal end, I've just been really kind of doing some cleanup work, uh, cleaning up the altars, uh, fixing and ordering books. Usually, as an academic, what happens is throughout the year, I pull books down from shelves as I'm using them. Uh, for writing, for teaching, etc. And then summer is the time to start to put them back, especially before class starts. I try to put them back so everything looks organized again. Um, and that's always a bit of a Herculean task because as a bibliophile, what ends up happening is that as I'm organizing the books, I start reading them and I go, oh, well, I still need to mm-hmm. read this. <laughs> and I set this aside. So that's been a bit of a uh, an uphill battle. And then uh, with uh, client work, I've been doing a lot, a lot of reconciliation work, a lot of really difficult reconciliation work in particular. Uh, it's interesting. I've had a, a sort of spat of cases in which it's not just, oh, we had a breakup and, and bring them back, but a lot of like broken marriages, like my husband has wandered and, and, and done, you know, b- betrayed us and the children. We need him to step back into our lives and really kind of step up and take responsibility. So it's been some tricky uh, past few weeks in, in that regard. Um, but it is interesting how they come in these sort of cycles and waves. And this summer in particular for me has been the summer of, of difficult reconciliation, tricky reconciliation, um, as I like to call it. And then politically, and I think it is, is really worthwhile to kind of mention the stuff that is uh, going on here. We, from the last time we have spoken, 
we've seen um, multiple mass shootings uh, or even attempted mass shootings. There's a the rise of sort of white supremacist violence uh, that in the United States that targets immigrants uh, and that previously had targeted Jews in synagogues. There was recently uh, a guy was caught in Las Vegas, not too far from here, but a couple hours drive, um, who had planned to shoot up uh, mosques and synagogues, and he had was caught before he was able to do so. Less fortunate was the case of El Paso, uh, where uh, the gentleman or the, the uh, fighter, the, the actual white supremacist uh, terrorist, we'll call him, targeted a Hispanic community. So we've had a, a really massive kind of uptick in this sort of violence. At the same time, the state is cracking down. You've got ICE carrying out these raids. Uh, in one instance, I mean, coming out of Mississippi, where they literally took in something like 600 people. Um, leaving their children to just fend for themselves out on the street. It was really horrific scenes of both uh, what historians would call illegitimate and legitimate forms of violence. When the state and terrorism almost worked hand in hand to target marginalized people, uh, it really kind of tells you the type of world that we're living in. Um, and again, this is to people who are like, well, why, why, why should hoodoo doctors or conjure doctors even care about this stuff? Well, the reality is that Contradictors are, are people who work for a community. They always have. They've been intermediaries between the black community and the white community. They've been guardians against the cases of which the, when the law fails. I mean, people don't quite – I mean, if you, if you don't have roots in marginal communities or roots in the African-American community, you don't understand why something like court case products even exists because the assumption is that the legal system works against you. The legal system is broken as it is, um, and it's left to uh, root doctors to get justice when justice is uh, seems out of reach. So bear in mind that these things are going on, and there's a place for root doctors to light candles, to say prayers, to do work, uh, to really kind of uplift and protect the marginal community while holding those that need to be accountable accountable. Yeah, thank you. And um, I have now designated you our official political commentator. <laughs> but, you know, in five years from now, in five years from now, someone's going to listen to this show and they're going to wonder what, where we were at, what, world, what the world was mm-hmm. like around us. No, yeah. no show like this takes place in a vacuum. And right well now done. we are having this insane Uranus-Pluto aspects in the sky, we're having um, white supremacists, we're having um, uh, just terrorism, we're having another, Mm -hmm. yet another debate about the Second Amendment, which I wish they would fucking repeal, and so forth and so on. Thank you. Um, Now, um, we are going to bring on uh, our panelist, uh, Angela, and Angela Marie Horner is a member of AIR. She works part-time for the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, and she also does readings at the shop and church, and she does readings um, from her home as part of AIR. If you need a reading, she is a very good reader, but she's best known for her spell work. And Angela has taught classes and also um, been in some of our panel discussions with her form of spell work, which is um, unique, unusual, 
and very detailed. And um, I'm going to let her describe it and talk about when we get to the topic, but I'm going to first give you kind of an overview. Uh, If you have a copy of the red folder, and you can buy it for $12, you'll see an article by her on the use of sigils in magic. Also, she's on a couple of panel discussions that are in our uh, red folder book, too. And she works with sigils of the, um, the Norse runes, the Solomonic seals, mosaic seals, planetary sigils. Uh, she works with the zodiacal symbols and also just sigils that she creates out of people's monograms in the style of Austin Osmond Spare, where you mm. take out certain letters and you combine them and you make a visually appealing uh, sigil. She's been doing this for years, and because of this, she has she produces artworks. Each spell ends up as an artwork, and I wish I could show you all what they look like, but they're beautiful. They're 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 physically beautiful. Well, when you're done with something like that, you're not going to want to just like burn it and throw it away because clients come back to her. They have say a mother-in-law problem. They want to have the mother-in-law be quieted, for instance. She does the spell. Mm-hmm. Mother-in-law goes away. Mother-in-law's gone for four years. Mother-in-law comes back. Oops, the problem's back. Call up Angela. Can you do that spell again? Well, she's kept the paper. She's kept it. And why mm. bother to recreate the Mona Lisa after you've painted it one time, right? So with, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Angela, and she's going to talk about how you put a spell to sleep and how you wake it up again. It's an unusual topic. So take it away, Angela. Hi. So um, on that note (laughs) of, you know, like the mother-in-law example you gave, one of the reasons I keep the spells is because a long time ago I had this weird dream. It was in black and white. I dream in color. So somebody else gave me this dream of building a book. So I bought paper and thread and leather and herbs, and I built this this uh, journal, this 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 um, book. And my na- my roommate, which was the only one I ever had in my life, got really terrified of this book for no good reason. By the time I finished it, it took me six months because I handmade this book. And I'm like, okay, so I tore it apart and threw it away for her. And for three months solid, I was sick, like mm. like karmic backlash, like magic backlash. I don't know what it was, but I was sick. After that, mm. I've never destroyed anything that I've ritually created ever again because mm. for some reason it's just got some kind of a soul tie to me that just makes me really, really sick. Um, so I take these spells that I put all this heart and soul into and I just put them asleep and set them aside. I've learned over the years that a spell like that is a living, breathing creature, like a mojo hand, like a, a lodestone. And you're not going to just toss your lodestone in the trash when you're done. You know, you're not going to just toss mm-hmm. it. Now, I did have one court case spell that worked so well, I went ahead and burned the paper to ash and mixed it in with more um, uh, uh court case sachet powder to be used in another court case spell. Mm-hmm. So that's another way I've done it. Um, 
but there's a lot of ways to put them to sleep. My favorite way is just, you know, telling them night-night and then put them in the little box and save them for later. And I've been debating on putting them in a book, but they do still all have the people's pictures on them, so I kind of don't want to call everyone I've done a spell for, hey, can I use your image? Can I show off your image? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I may have to go in and, you know, put a little uh, sensor button over the picture, you know, mm-hmm. see how to do that <laughs> so that I can put that up. Well, um, you know, but, you you bring up something interesting about burning to ash and using the ash and sachet powder. Um, that is a way of continuing a spell that I like. Um, um, if you're doing, um, if you're working with ashes, and a lot of people uh, don't know much about ashes, maybe um, uh, someone can post, um, Papa Newt can post the URL, although it can't be seen in chat now, but later in the chat log you'll see it. There is a Lucky Mojo page that I wrote about the use of ash. And ash can be used um, for a number of things. One of my favorite ways to use ash is to write Bible verses on them, which are a form of spell, burn them to ash, and then, again, use them to mix into sachet. Also, you can use Bible ash to um, line an incense burner because you don't want to burn incense directly inside of a metal incense um, brazier bowl because it'll eventually just the, the hot red-hot chakra will burn through the metal eventually. So you don't want to do that. You want to line it with sand or ash. And so um, in Asia, they line them with ash, but I like to use sand. It's more European style. It's the way I was taught to work. But I do a combination. I rub the ash all on the inside, and then I put the sand in also. And um, that way of working produces one spell going into the next spell. So I just had to comment on that as far as using the ash to to go onward. You know, so many people think of disposing of the spell as take it to the graveyard, take it to the crossroads. No, no, there's many other ways to dispose of a spell. And before we go to that, uh, again, about the idea of putting them to sleep, why not continue them? For instance, black candle wax from a from a spell that was used for destruction. Save mm. that black wax. If it was successful, melt it down and make more black candles. Why not? You know, um, and... There are many ways to reuse things that are the remnants of a spell that was successful. If the spell didn't really produce the results you want, there's no point in trying to refine them and keep them. But if it did produce results, um, let's say you did a love spell and you used red candles and it was just spectacularly successful, don't just throw that wax away. Of course, you could bury it, put it under your bed or whatever, but you'll probably end up with more wax than you need. Take that wax and double dip the store-bought candles that you got with that wax that you melted that was from a successful spell, right? Um, But make sure it's a spell of the same kind and make sure that, um, that you are, you know, focused on point what what you're doing i mean you're not just going to just randomly dip um with another wax but there's many mm-hmm. ways to mm-hmm. reuse spell ingredients mm-hmm. yeah um another thing i was looking at the the chat another thing about spirit uh that came up yes when you do these spells you're calling on spirit but the way i make the spell the spell the paper itself is basically a tulpa which mm-hmm. is a a spirit that you create it's not a living mm-hmm. it's not it was never alive it's something you create something you birth and mm-hmm. putting it to sleep so you can use it again 
um, you know, breaks it away from its purpose, um, kind of like banishing it almost or sending it away almost, but instead of sending it away from you, you kind of, you put it on ice to be used for later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another another name for for this from a different tradition. Some people call them servitors, and these are um, created spiritual entities that are used for a purpose. Uh, different people use different names for it, um, and in the Western esoteric tradition, the name servitor is often used. Um, uh, and th- this is what what you've done is you've actually brought this thing to life. Um, and um, it it is yours now. It will now work for you. Well, truth to tell, you don't want to destroy something that was um, a servitor that successfully worked for you. And so you talked about having a box that you put them in. I'd like you to um, tell what you mean by this. This is an old cardboard box, an old banker's box you have in your attic. What is it? It, I believe it's more ceremonial because I've seen it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I found this really cool box at Michael's that looks like a giant book. Mm -hmm. And I put some sleeping spells and some uh, restful and some um, like protections so that nothing can get out of the box once it's in the Mm -hmm. box. And then I place them, you know, I play, I'm going to need a new box soon, but I place them in the box and just keep it closed. And then so, if the person... And just, just, just a moment. And so, folks, mm-hmm. stay tuned to the end of the show because she's going to give out the recipe in the free spell section. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Okay, go on. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, you know, and also if the person calls me and says, you know what, I changed my mind, I want my spell, then I can put it in the mail and send it to them. But it's still asleep, and I can tell them how to wake it back up if they want to, or they can simply put it in a picture frame and hang it on the wall. Hmm, because it is art, after all. Yeah. yeah, it is, and it has their picture in it and everything. I have some new ones that I'd love to show you, but I'd have to doctor them so that I can't, so that I could show them off to the public if you wanted to. But yeah, you have they're to their faces. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're done with these beautiful art pieces. You all, some of your clients actually ask for them to be sent. Yes, I do offer that. You know, I send you pictures of your work, but if you want to continue the work yourself, then you know I'll frame it and send it to you. You know, and wow. tell you how to keep working it. I mean, a lot of people are like, no, 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 just keep working my spell. And so instead of putting it to sleep in the box, I'll put it in a frame and put it up on the wall. And when I'm working, I'll, you know, I'm doing a love spell. Okay, this is the old love spell I've done, this person and this and this, and then we're going to, you know, love on you some. And so while I'm doing all these other love spells, I'm including yours that's been done that's still up on my wall in there. Wow. Wow. So you're, if someone were to go to your um, little altar space, it would almost be like a museum of spells. I think I've got a good 20 spells on my wall right now, plus the trays, because I have like the silver trays that I do my spells on, and so I've got two, three bookshelves full of the silver trays with the spells on them that I'm still working, and then I have a working altar for the ones that are actively being worked at the moment. So at the active and the ones on trays, I think I've got about 20 
maybe 30? No, 20, about wow. 20 to 25. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, that's amazing. Um, now, let's talk about those silver trays because people who don't know your work, and like I said, you, they should go to to um, to the air site or to your, um, uh, you know, just check her out. To my website folks, page, cause yeah. it, it can't even be described. It's just too, too <laughs> beautiful. Um, so um, these silver trays, talk about what they are. So the silver trays um, are like a mirror. It's a reflective surface. And using a reflective surface in your spell work helps to push it out into the ether a little faster. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. the incense that you're burning. You've got the, the reflective surface to send it up. You've got your prayers going. You've got your backup candle. And the reflective surface helps to, you know, keep that, that, that spirit. When the spirit sees the, themselves in reflection, they move off. Well, mm-hmm. they have a purpose. So instead of hanging around, they are shot forward up into the ether to continue on where they're supposed to be going. Wow. So let me let me uh, ask you about the silver trays again because, again, it's hard to explain. When you say silver trays, you're talking about – they're not sterling silver, obviously. They're silver-colored no. trays. And where do you get them? What are, what are they made of? What do they you know? Are they circular? Um, are they rectangular? Are they square? I've used the circular ones. I've used the rectangular ones. I've never seen them as squares. I buy them at the dollar store. Hmm. And these um, are used. If, these are would be sold as for what purpose? Uh, they sell them in the dollar store as you know service. They're food service. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, so these are circular yeah. and rectangular food service trays. Most mm-hmm. people, you know, like I said, people listen to this show, they're in Sweden, who knows. So yeah. what we're talking okay. about here are, I, they're actually plastic that's been metalized, right? Is that what they're made of? Nope, they are aluminum. They're metal. They're, they're, they're solid metal, they're aluminum. Okay, uh-huh. solid aluminum. And they're aluminum. thicker okay. aluminum. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to use, Real silver, you have to keep it highly polished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay. you should carve in it to uh, put your sigils and stuff in it so that it has an energy to go with. Um, mm-hmm. Also, because I use them as a reflective surface, you can do these spells on mirrors. Mm-hmm. And that would be if I had the space I wanted, the income I needed, and all that, all of my spells would be on large mirrors. These Um, are the kind of mirrors that come with a frame. These are the kind of mirrors that you get on your vanity table. It's a it's a it's a little tray. It's got the the little med, I'm look I'm thinking of one in particular. It's an antique, and it's mm-hmm. it's got a uh, it's got a mirror as the base, and then you have these little metal. It's like mm-hmm. framed in metal, and you can put mm-hmm. your perfumes and your jewelries and all those kinds of things on there. That was mm-hmm. the first surface I ever did a spell on. Mine got broken in a move. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. And so yeah. So. That's, so what we're talking about now, and these are also service trays, but they're usually antique. And antique, these were sometimes called tea trays, and they yes. would be a, yeah. a mirror surface. They have a little wooden edge. They come in oval. They come circular. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, the, you know, you can create quite a, um, a collection of these. Now, each one is used for one spell, or do you reuse the tray? I do reuse the tray. Uh, mm-hmm. When the spell, when after the spell's been put to sleep, I wash the tray first in soap and water to get off any of wax or anything, or anything that's stuck. Then I wash it in Florida water. Then I wash it again in Murphy's oil soap, and then I wash it again in holy water. Okay. So you wash them after use, then you use Florida water. Mhm. Mhm. The Florida the water is for purification. Murphy's oil mm-hmm. oil soap is, is the ones that are specifically the ones for cursing, but gets rid of any mess, anything left behind. Also, it's, it's gentle on any kind of a finish. It's, it doesn't scratch or mar any finish. That's good. And then right. then you then after the Murphy's oil soap, then you do the what you said the third thing. I uh, holy water holy to con- water. to reconsecrate it. I see. Okay, got it. Wow. Okay, I'm writing this down as we go. So, <laughs> um, so um, you could you could use other things, and I'm just going to mention a few other things that might be used. Um, Florida water would be bad to use on anything that um, had an old varnish surface because it has alcohol and will take the finish off. So I'm going to mm-hmm. just comment: no Florida water on antique wood finishes. Um, because it will um, take the varnish right off. If it had a polyurethane finish, um, it will be okay. But you, you know, but it'll it'll um, just cause the antique varnish um, uh, to to be destroyed. Okay, um, alcohol will kill it, um, and um, it's deadly <laughs> to it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. actually, that that varnish was al- was diluted with. Um, in alcohol before it was rubbed on, so um, so that's no good. So you might uh, use something else in place of that. You could use um, uh, anything that is non-alcohol-based. Don't use ammonia uh, on um, fragile surfaces. Vinegar can be used um, to cut um, dirt as well, um, and. So, you know, vinegar, people make all kinds of homemade, um, you know, vinegar is, is fine to, to clean. Um, and it will clean uh, any surface but not on marble, okay? Because if you put vinegar on marble, it will dissolve the marble. So if you have a marble um, uh, surface, like, a again, one of these trays would be an antique. It might have some marble on it. Don't put vinegar on it, Um, um so there's a there's a lot of common sense that goes into cleaning altar surfaces. One of the books that deals with this thoroughly is a book by Phoenix Lefay called Hoodoo Shrines and Altars. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um and Hoodoo Shrines and Altars gets into which things are um useful for which things. Chinese wash is very mild and can be used for anything. And um Chinese washes is, uh, uh, however, is a soap-based product also. And so you have to make sure that when you're using it, it's not going to dissolve anything. Always test um, um, whatever you're going to use to um, before you use it. Always test it to make sure that it's okay. 
with the surface. Please do not ruin your uh, tools by putting the inappropriate cleaner on. Holy water, of course, will go on anything that water will go on. Um, I have had good luck um, using any kind of um, what we call hippie organic cleaners, but then some people like, Mm. you know, Lysol, I wouldn't use it personally. I just don't. Or 409. It's just too, those are too chemical, too harsh. Just my preference. But when you're cleaning off um, these aluminum trays, you want to make sure that you don't put anything too acidic because aluminum reacts badly with acids. You know, so you've got to be aware of what you're doing. Don't don't just blindly follow one person's instructions before you've tested out how you work with those products mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. your uh, trays and your your uh, tabletops and your altar surfaces are going to react. I've had people tell me, for instance, oh, I put, you know, ammonia kills everything, so I cleaned my altar with ammonia. Oops, you know, and now it's like dissolved half of what's on, <laughs> on your mm-hmm. altar. Mm-hmm. So always be careful because cleaning is an art and science in and of itself in addition to spiritual cleaning. So just a mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted so, to get back a little a little bit to what we started off with, the idea that when we're doing this type of work, what we're, we're really talking about is how the work continues and how the work is paused in some ways. Um, because I think people don't think of, of spell work sometimes in long term. They think in terms of like, uh, oh, you light a candle, the candle is done, and then that's it. Whereas the reality is that sometimes you continue, you have to kind of, put things away and then revisit work. And sometimes you have to continue. I think Angelo pointed out, for example, using picture prints. That's something that I've done for for a long time is that if I'm working with a client on a long-term basis, I put their uh, work in picture frames, particularly the petition paper, uh, the prayer paper, that goes in the photo, that goes into the picture frame, which itself then is is blessed and worked with. You put, you can uh, dust the papers with powders. You can put it in envelope with the right herbs uh, and powders as well. You can oil the picture frame itself, uh, and all of that can be used to continue the work long term. It's also a way of uh, setting things up. If let's say I have to revisit, so for example, one of the things that I do with clients is that. Clients that I've worked with for several weeks or for long-term court case work, reconciliation work, things like that, I will do their work proper, whatever the actual spell work is for that period of time. And then the picture frame goes on to a general altar of blessing. So I also use uh, trays of a variety of type to do my work. And I tend to, the way it works is I have a separate altar room and the walls are lined with altars. And most of the active work, however, is done on the floor. This is just the way I was taught. We did a lot of the work sitting on the floor. Um, Mama Jay did most of her work sitting on the floor. It's what I do. It's how I make my mojo bags. It's generally sitting on the floor, for example. So there will be trays that are lined up next to the various altars that I do work on. Uh, And then once that work is done, I will then move the picture frame onto the altars themselves. And onto the altars, they will be amongst candles. They will get regular prayers. And this is a way in which I am able to kind of continue the kind of blessings of the work, even after the kind of proper spell, if you will, is done. Um, And this is one of the ways in which uh, I kind of build that continuity uh, spiritually using the picture frames. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to um, going to uh, throw in something here that um, just came a, a little right before we started talking. Ms. Michael mentioned that liquid Castile soap, and I said um, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bronner's would also be a very good ultra cleaning um, cleanser, and I mentioned peppermint Castile because it has the cleaning power of mint. Now, I want to go on to what we were saying here about these trays and, and on the altar and putting things mm-hmm. to sleep. I had one friend who specialized in making doll babies for people, and she had a bookcase, and the bookcase was set mm-hmm. up with fairly short shelves for paperback books. It was not, you know, it was like for science fiction paperbacks. You know what I'm talking about? Those smaller paperbacks, not tall shelves. And she laid the doll, she had an altar, and she would work the dolls on the altar, but she would um, lay the dolls down on a handkerchief on their back, um, on a, uh, the handkerchief was like diagonal, and on their little shelf, and then she would fold it up the way you would fold up a baby's blanket, you know, di- you know, up and across and across, and then down, she'd cover their face up. And those dolls would be laying there asleep. And um, then the person would pay for, uh, let's just say for instance, they would pay for one month's service. And the doll would be left wrapped up in its little blankie, and um, and then it would be asleep. Um, so that's another way to put the, put um, something to sleep. It's not a tray, but it's a doll. Okay. Um, then if they'd say, "Well, I'd like you to work on this some more," she'd unwrap the doll, cuddle it, hug it, smoke it, bring it back awake. Okay. Okay. Well, there's our music. So we've got to go. And um, I really thank you and. Um, Angela will come back with a recipe for what, how to smoke that spell box. Okay. Uh, we'll turn it over to Papa Newt. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, and this week's special guest, Angela Marie Horner, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have uh, filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or by telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the form, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, pop a new read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller, and we're doing a little something a little different for our first caller. We're actually taking one from the queue, calling in from area code 917, uh, New Jersey area code. This is Tina. Tina, are you there? Yes. Hi. Happy Sunday. Hi. It's great to have you here, and thank you for entrusting us with your situation today. Absolutely. uh, uh, wonderful. And uh, now, have you gone to any other readers or root workers on this particular situation? No. Oh, thank you. And Peter writes, I have a relationship with my boyfriend, and I'd like to get a reading on future developments and recommendations on spells to to be considered to assist it. Turn back to you, Ms. Kat. Okay. All right, Tina. Well, I have a couple of questions to ask you before we uh, start. Um, first of all, about how old are you? Forty-five. How much? Forty-five. Yes. 
45. Okay, and what sign of the zodiac are you? Sagittarius. Sagittarius, okay. And um, the boyfriend, um, what is um, the boyfriend's age, and what is the boyfriend's sign of the zodiac? Uh, He's 41, and he's an Aries. Oh, that's very good. Um, Because... um, Aries and Sagittarius go very well together. I'm sure you've heard about that before, that they're both fire signs. Yes, this is my first time dating an Aries. Oh, well, good for you. You got you probably won a good one. Um, Sagittarius tend to be a little bit more flighty. They change a bit more. Aries love to start things. They're not always as good at finishing them. And the third fire sign is Leo. They're the constant ones, but they also have a great deal of uh, pride. Um, Okay, I'm going to cut the cards, and I'm going to do a reading. Well, I cut them, and the very first card I got is the Queen of Wands, which is a fire sign lady. So that would be your card here for this reading. tells me that you are very um, uh, uh, good at magic, and you're very good at protecting yourself magically, and you have probably a bit more magic ability than I knew going into this reading. She's a queen. She has herbs in her crown. She has a sunflower that she uses as her scepter, which shows her optimism. She has a throne with lions carved on it, and in front of her is a little black cat. Behind her are golden sands on one side for day and silver sands on the other side for night. The lions represent a powerful work by day. The cat represents defensive work by night. So you are, am I right in saying that you're a pretty magical lady? Oh, oh, yes. you don't have her to... <laughs> you are. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you have had some... This shows some experience um, in in uh, intuition, psychic ability, and probably casting spells. So it also shows here that as of the three cards, you're the leader. You're the one who came out first. The second card, this is really a good, uh, good reading. Second card is the emperor. That is the card that's associated with the sign Aries. And it shows a man on a throne with ram's heads um, all around uh, carved on the throne. He's a, a bit tough. Um, he has a uh, armor on, and he's you know he's been through a, a few battles one way or another. Um, and um, um, I hope Shiva that you mute the caller because we're getting a lot of sound. Okay, thank you. Um, and there's a he has on the robe of a king and he has on the cloak of an emperor. So he's a powerful man. They make a very good pair. In a way, they are a more natural pair than the emperor and the empress because she's so vegetal. This is a much more fiery person. And really, she makes a better pair with him than she does with the king of um, wands, who's kind of passive. So this is a great couple. It looks very good. It would re- represent fire spells because you asked what kind of work should you do? And I'm going to say you definitely should do work with fire. I'm going to read the third card. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of um, things that can be done with fire besides candles. I'm just going to say there's some, there's um, fire can also represent cooking because she has her herbs and her sunflower seeds, which would represent food. Oh, my gosh. This is really a fun reading. I'm just cu- cutting them, and, and I cut to strength, and the strength is <laughs> Lady and the Lion, and it stands for Leo, 
What a far out reading. Okay, this is all fire signs all the way. Um, the lady and the lion is um, a woman who is um, has roses in her hair and roses on a on a leash that she leashes a lion. So that's Leo. We've got pretty much every fire sign action going on here. She has an infinity symbol over her head, and she's got a lot of power over this fiery lion. She uh, soothes him, and the lion has a bit of fear, but a trepidation, we could say, but he is so loving and loyal. He looks up at her, and he, he licks her wrist, and she pets his uh, head. It also calls to mind a a line from uh, the story of Daniel where God locked the lion's jaws. In other words, the lion cannot harm her. Uh, She's petting him into a a state of friendly, submissive gentleness. This means that you have to use physical contact with this man. And um, so the spells that you would want to use would have some physical contact. Cooking, again, would be implied here, but also sexuality, uh, in that um, cooking is often a euphemism for sexuality, um, but fire, so you want some heat on the situation. So hot sex, hot food, and candle magic are the kind of spells that I would recommend. Now, when after we have the uh, second reading, we're actually going to have somebody um, give you some spells. But what I'm seeing here are things that have to do with heat and fire. Now, uh, there's another element that's in this card of strength, and that is a volcano in the background, which is not exploding. And so we call it the dormant volcano. And this is important because the volcano, of course, has all this magma you know, pressing to get out, but it doesn't come out. And the lion, which could be roaring and, and biting, she's soothing it, and it's not coming out. So you will have to do some spells, perhaps, to restrain him somewhat. And I don't mean keep him tied and bound and, you know, like dominate him, but some spells that that will be to be soothing and calming. And those are important concepts. He's a person who will be a very good guardian and defender of the relationship. That's the emperor. And he's a person who has a little stream behind him of emotion, but he keeps it fairly well hid. You would want to work on him by day and by night, and that means that you're going to be doing both spells with the with the moon increasing and the moon decreasing. You're going to be working for growth of the commitment, and you're going to be working for lessening of anything that's distracting, angering, uh, or sends him away. And you're going to just you know you can work. These are gentle spells, mostly worked with fire. All right, um, my time is up. And I'm going to uh, turn this over to Angela for a reading. Thank you. Okay, hello there. So I will draw mine. Yeah, oh, goodness. Hmm. Okay, so the first card I have for you is the beast. And the beast is impulsiveness. This is be careful of running off the fly. Um, yes, when doing spell work, impulsiveness is is a good thing because um, impromptu spells can just kind of come to you. But be careful of flying off the handle or be careful of the, the impromptu argument that happens because the seat wasn't put down. Um, arguments can put holes in your work. And being of and being of fiery temperament can uh, encourage 
these arguments. Um, the next one is the dictator. And the dictator means an oppressive person or situation thrown down. So that means um, your work will be successful. And to make this successful, you will have to see what is oppressing, what is getting in the way of your relationship, and tackling it head on. Now, head on can be with magic. You don't have to run up to, you know, whoever, whatever, and say, get away from my man, because that's unnecessary. Uh, the last card I have is the marionette. And the marionette means someone being manipulated. Um, the person in the foreground is being manipulated, and there's somebody behind them manipulating them. Your work, yes, uh, she did say day and night, but it should also be kind of behind the scenes. He doesn't necessarily need to know you're doing work on him. You know, that massage you're giving him is for a specific spell work, but he doesn't have to know that. You know, hey, you've been walking all day, your legs are tired, come here, let me, let, me work, let me rub your legs. You know, um, he doesn't have to know that the, you know, a hot chili chicken whatever that you cooked is a spell. You know, these things could should happen. The manipulation should happen slowly, quietly, and gently in the background. So those are my three cards for you. And definitely be more careful of the beast. Be more careful of the impulsiveness of the arguments. And be sure to keep your spell work from him as far as him having an inkling of what's going on. Wow. Okay. Thank you. I'm gonna- yeah, there's been a bunch of questions. Before I turn it over to Ollie, I just have a, a minute here to mention. People were asking what card deck you use, and it is the Ravenloft game deck. This is from a game called Ravenloft. And um, I'm going to put through the uh, link for the Wikipedia article on the game Ravenloft. The link will not appear in the chat log as we in the chat room but it will appear in the chat log later on but you can just look at ravenloft um in uh, wikipedia and it will tell you all about it how angela came to be using these ravenloft cards is a story in itself folks maybe someday we'll have a whole thing on my favorite decks but her deck is a game deck it's just like people reading dominoes dominoes are a game it's like people reading dice dice are a game all right i just had to throw that in because every time angela's on the show People go, what? <laughs> they're, unfam- they're unfamiliar with the images. But they, they're, it's a kind of a tarot. It's kind of an oracle deck. Mm. It's a very. She gave me a copy of the deck, and I, I read with it for a while. It's fascinating. It's very different. All right. Let's turn this over to Contraman Ali, and he's going to give you some spell work. Yes, thanks, Ken. I think you've had a fantastic you. You've had some fantastic readings here, and uh, this happens to be perfectly in fitting with the theme of this summer, which has been reconciliation and love work. So this is right up uh, what I've been doing the past few weeks. I'm going to give you kind of two-part working that is based off of the readings that you've received, um, as well as uh, the kind of indications that are in the cards of which direction you should take. And we're going to play a little bit with this Uh, role of fire and touch, which I think is going to work quite well uh, in your case between a Sagittarius and an Aries. Um, I think that you don't need a lot of heavy work. Uh, You just need to do work that will ensure love and fidelity and and happiness going forward. So what I want you to do is first, 
I want you to create a, uh, a honey mixture. So in a small saucepan, uh, you're going to pour out some honey. You're going to add uh, a couple sticks of cinnamon, a very small slice of ginger, uh, and you're going to add a drop of your menstrual blood into this honey. And you are going to warm this mixture up. And what I mean by warm is that I don't want to turn on the heat very high. You're not burning this. What I want you to do is very, use very low heat. So don't try to bubble. Very low heat to just draw out the essence of the cinnamon and the ginger uh, and to kind of warm the honey. What you'll see is the honey will become more fluid. It will go from being viscous to being more liquid. And that's all you're kind of looking for. You're just warming it up very slowly. And as you do this, I want you to pray over it. Whisper your prayers into the honey itself. So and so, as you taste this, you will be sweet to me. You will be drawn to me. You will love me. You will be affectionate. Uh, you will be mine and mine alone. And as it starts to, to warm up, it will become a little bit more liquid. Let it sit. Turn the heat off. Uh, let it cool, and then what I want you to do is call out to this guy if he's in your house or if he's visiting or whatnot. You're going to call out to him to come by. You're going to dip your finger and go, here, taste this. And you're just going to put it right into his mouth so that he tastes it or, or takes it right off of your fingers. And this really goes to that strength card that we have. You're actually feeding him this. You're then going to strain this out. You can also just reach in and take out the ginger and the, and, and the cinnamon sticks. And that's perfectly fine. And you're going to put this honey in a container. And that honey is what you're going to be using going forward. You're going to use it in your cooking. You're going to use it for your desserts. You're going to use it for drinks. This is a very old-timey working, uh, and it works very, very well. In fact, it's the one of the more common ways we use honey in Virginian conjures, warming up that honey, uh, and then using it for all sorts of desserts. Anytime there's a dessert, you drizzle that honey on. If you guys are drinking tea, you put a little bit of that honey into his tea. And this is a way to constantly feed him uh, uh, through that honey and using that honey, bind him to you, draw him to you, keep him sweet to you. Using cinnamon and ginger in this particular way will help to kind of increase the heat and the passion between the two of you and the menstrual blood will be used to really kind of make him yours to fix his love for you and you alone. That's the first part of the working, and that is an ongoing working that you will continue to use as long as you have that honey. And anytime you run out, you can redo this by warming up some more honey. The next is a massage working. Uh, I think the touch was a very important component of what we saw in the reading, and I think we, we can do it through massage. Get yourself Love Me Oil, Stay With Me Oil and fires of love. It's a great combination for what you're looking for. Love me for love and stay with me for commitment and fires of love to ensure that it is passionate. No one wants to stay in a loveless relationship. You're going to drop a couple drops of these into some grapeseed oil or jojoba oil, any type of carrier oil. I usually like grapeseed. It smells really nice and it works really well as a massage oil. Some people prefer coconut oil. You could also use coconut oil. That's fine. I'm not overly fond of coconut oil as a massage oil. That's just me. Um, but a couple drops is all you need. And a couple drops in there. You're going to mix it together, and you're going to pray over it. And you're going to ask to give him a massage. You can do it uh, as a sort of regular thing, like, hey, let me massage your feet or whatnot. I would actually recommend to set aside a more special occasion. 
so in addition to kind of regularly doing let me massage your hands and let me massage your feet, set up a night where you kind of treat him. Uh, all, all, you know, you know, all men would love a day where they'd be treated specially, right? Why not? So set up a day, you know, he comes home, you have got some beautiful candles going in the house. Uh, you can anoint those candles, invite him to the bed, tell him to relax, and then just massage him. Uh, make it a very, uh, you know, romantic and erotic massage or really get him uh, both uh, relaxed and worked up. And then, you know, use that oil as a lubricant to get him off. And we're, all, we're all adults here. So use that to get him off. Uh, let it be about him and him alone and gather the sexual fluids from him. You, and use that in some type of mojo bag. Add that into the mojo bag, uh, including, include it with uh, rose petals, magnolia, rosemary, and cuba berries, and bohog, and then keep that between the mattress and the box, Brock spring, and it will be uh, ideal for your situation. Wow. Good. God. <laughs> Rose petals, cubebs, bohog root, and um, and I'm magnolia and rosemary. Magnolia. Okay, in a bag in the mattress. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Gee, my knee. <laughs> You're something else, uh, <laughs> All right. That was that was great. Um, and um. Now it is time for our next caller. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next uh, client. And our next client is calling in from area code 385 in Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Dana. Dana, are you there? Good evening. Hi, Hi. welcome to the show. I see this is your first time calling in. Thank you for entrusting us with your situation today. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Now, I see that you have not had any private readings with Ms. Cat or Conjumentally or have gone to any other readers and root workers on this particular situation. Is that correct? Yes, sir. All right, and Dana writes... I conducted a very effective blockbuster spell to move into uh, the next phase of my life. Suddenly, my workplace is no longer conducive to a caring for family or social justice work and was exact, uh, exactly to the push I needed uh, to pursue more in- engaging employment. In addition to the development, uh, developing myself, on the mundane plane, I have been running, uh, running a honey jar and a box spell for the last few months to attract future situation, uh, uh, suitable job prospects and clarity work for direction. I would like a reading to assist me on my clarity work so that I may decipher, uh, decipher how to move forward in a unique way to achieve unique results that serve spirit and community. Thank you. Right back to you, Ms. Kent. Okay. Well, um, let's see. Our first reader is going to be Conjurman Ali. And I hope that someone will post the client's question in the chat log. Go ahead, Ali. Take it away. 
Thanks, Kat. Um, I've, I've pulled a couple cards here, and I think they're uh, quite indicative of the kind of path you want to take. First, we have the Queen of Cups. The Queen of Cups shows us uh, a wise woman, uh, an intuitive woman, on a throne sitting by the shoreline. She has a goblet in her hand that looks a lot like the kind of Ark of the Covenant, and she's peering through uh, into the contents of this cup. This is an indication of, of kind of where you are and your own natural abilities. You mentioned, for example, doing a blockbuster work that is very successful. Uh, you mentioned a honey jar working. Well, the honey jar is reflected in the goblet that she holds up. This tells me that you are an intuitive person, that you have inherent spiritual abilities, that you already know what you need to do. You're just looking for some uh, confirmation and some some uh, assistance, if you will, a little bit of clarity here. The Queen of Cups is you. It's a person who uh, has deep spiritual connections and also one who is pretty steady in knowing what it is she needs to do despite the changing tides. The tide may come and go, but you remain quite steady in that regard. It is also a cup card that indicates that the best form of work for you is indeed work that involves helping others. Any type of, of work that involves spiritual healing, healing, guidance, assistance, support, uplifting, these type of works will be very good for you. It's where both your skills are. Uh, it seems that you'll have, uh, that's both where your talent is as well as where you will find the most fulfillment. So the Queen of Cups is a good card, and it tells us you are already on the right path. You just might need a little bit of adjustment here. The next card that we have is the Four of Wands. The Four of Wands shows us a sort of marriage ceremony, and the actual image is very reflective of uh, a Roman marriage ceremony. You see the red in the background, usually representing the bride. Uh, and it's also linked to harvest. It tells us that there is going to be a shift for you, particularly in regards to your work situation. It may take a little bit of time. It may take some, a couple months. But I do sense that you will achieve what you want to get probably sometime in the late fall. I'm getting a sense of perhaps November, uh, late October, is when you'll start to see your environment reflect all the work that you have done. You have planted the seeds with the root work that you've done, whether it is the blockbuster work or the honey jar work. Those are the spiritual seeds that you have planted, and now those seeds will bear fruit you will find something coming your way. And it will come in the form of someone actually making an offer to you, someone reaching out and going, hey, I have this job here that I think you will be best suited for. And it is going to be a shift in the work environment, in the job situation. Uh, and it is going to come in, in a few months. So bear that in mind that you're still in the process of sort of tending the garden, so in the process of tending uh, the seed that you have planted. So you will have to continue to do the spiritual work that you're doing, continue to tend your altars, your prayers, uh, your work, uh, and, and then keep your mind and heart open for this shift that is coming your way. And it will be a shift that takes you into a line of work that is about working for community, working for healing, working for justice, working for upliftment, uh, very much along the lines of sort of the Queen of Cups there. And then finally we have the Nine of Cups. 
this shows us a merchant very self-satisfied, victorious and successful with all his cups in a line behind him. You will get what you want. This is a card. Whenever I get this card, it's, an ans- it's basically saying your prayers will be answered. Your hard work will pay off. You will get what you want. You will actually probably end up with a little bit more than what you asked for. You will end up in a financially stronger position as well as in an emotionally fulfilled position. This is a person who has his golden goblet out on display. His arms are also crossed in satisfaction. So it's overall a very good reading, and it does indicate that things are going to be changing for the positive in that regard. The key here for you is to continue the spiritual work that you have done, to lay out the foundations for your transition by making sure that you also do the practical work, the practical work being represented in the four of wands. You need to make sure that you sent out resumes, you look for the right positions, that in addition to doing the prayer work, you're doing the kind of uh, legwork as well. And that all of this will manifest probably around late October early November, and you will achieve what it is you desire, and that is a shift into a new work environment that both gives you financial satisfaction as well as emotional satisfaction, and it will definitely be in the lines of doing uh, work for the community, helping others. That is what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to Angela, who will do your next reading, and then Miss Kat will give you some root work recommendations. Thank you, sir. Hello, dear. So. Hello. Hi. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay, so for you, I have the shepherd card, and the shepherd is protecting your flock, taking care of your family. Um, sounds like you're looking into something uh, family-related again, which could be good and engaging for you. Uh, the invoker comes up. And that one is, that one has a couple of meanings. It means um, not changing anything. It means um, a situation not to be changed or a life-changing situation. With the two that are next to it, I say it's a life-changing situation. Um, And there are non-mundane jobs that could do that that could change a whole life situation, life structure, having to move out of town, having to move across town, things of that nature. The healer is the next card that comes up. And this one reminds you to take care of yourself. This one is time to take some me time, time to go to the doctor. It also means sudden illness. So don't work yourself to death. Um, Trying to find your path, find your way, a lot of times the clarity comes with stillness. And the healer speaks to stillness. It speaks to, you know, taking that spa day whether you really think you should or not. You deserve it. It's time to just kind of relax, let go, and stop scratching and it'll just kind of want it'll just saunter up to you and go, Hi. So those are the three cards I have for you. Hopefully that helps bring a little more clarity to your path or at least tell you how to get to your path of clarity. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. All right. Well, those are very interesting cards. And um, so I'm going to um, talk about some of these things with respect to the cards that were given. Um, one of the oldest 
um, job-getting spells involves an herb called gravel root. And gravel root, people just say, what does that mean? It's like gravel? No. Gravel refers to kidney stones, kidney gravel. And gravel root is a very important medical herb. It happens to be a diuretic. And uh, it is, you have to ask, why is it used for job getting? Answer, mm, I don't know. <laughs> but it's always used for job getting. And so gravel root is your friend. It is a healing root. It definitely is a healer. And um, you can actually make a tea of it and drink it. It is a mild diuretic. But I would like you to make yourself a mojo bag for what you want. Now, you've used honey jars, and there was this idea that you have um, the queen of um, cups, I believe it was. There's some, um, you know, there's some possibility here of using liquids as well, and you've made a box spell. Um, So I would... Uh, say so you want to you want to have more clarity on how to use go forward. What I've been taught in my work is that there are two ways to get a job. One is with a, a stationary altar-based spell like a honey jar. Now you didn't describe. Are you putting people's business cards in? I hope you are. Um, are you putting in the logos of the businesses with your prayers? I presume you know what you're doing. I'm hoping you know what you're doing. Um, but you want to add them just one at a time to the jar. And you can burn a little light on it. However, what I would also like to see you do is carry a mojo, because carrying a mojo is one of the most um, central things. So there's a very simple mojo, and it's about as simple as it gets. It would be uh, salt, and you can use rock salt. It works real well. And gravel root, just crushed up gravel root. And you can use five-finger grass, and that is for um, having favors granted. So rock salt, gravel root, Five finger grass, put it in the bag, carry it in your pocket. There's another kind of job getting mojo, which Angela knows about very well. And this one uses the ear bones of fishes. I can describe it to you, but I doubt you're going to make one yourself. However, uh, we do sell them at a Lucky Mojo Curio Company, and Angela also makes them. You need two ear bones of fishes. These are called Lucky Stones or Autoliths. Lucky stone is what they're called in hoodoo. Autolith is what scientists call them. And they come in pairs, a left hand and a right hand, and they have little grooves on them, and one is L and one is J. And um, um, people sometimes say that stands for Lord Jesus, but that the ear bones existed before Christianity. Um, And you can make a mojo bag with these two, two ear bones. You can put a dime between them, and um, it'll make like a little um, hamburger, you know, like these little um, earbuds. You can go to the web page um, where they're described, and someone will put that in the chat log. Um, they're like a little disc um, with a dome on them, kind of like a cabochon cut stone, but they're natural earbuds of drumfish. And uh, you want a left-hand one and a right-hand one, and you're going to put a silver dime between them, and then you can um, Im- embed them in and around with... Um, lucky uh, incense, but you don't use um, powder incense. You use what's called dupe, which is um, incense from India that's kind of sticky. And um, we use Lakshmi dupe when we make them because Lakshmi is the goddess of wealth in India. And these Lakshmi dupe incenses were available in America going back at least to World War One. so it's not something completely off the, the picture. And you can put grains of paradise in with it. That's to be elevated and be raised up. And um, you're going to sew that into a little 
um, two discs of leather, and you can whip stitch it around. It's described in my book on mojos, and we also make them. They're lovely, they're very small, and they are used for job getting. You can make one yourself. I'm not telling you you have to buy one from us. Two pieces of leather, pair of fish bones, a silver dime, Lakshmi dupe, grains of paradise, you're on. It's what you do. And you put it all together, sew them up, and it makes a mojo that's about as big as if you took your thumb and your first finger and you put your first finger tip at the joint of your thumb, not at the tip of your thumb, but in that joint, make a little circle. That's about how big they are. They're very small. And, um, yeah, and so that's a, a wonderful mojo. It's uh, it's used exclusively for luck, but it is um, specific for job getting luck. They're very small, says Nagashiva. All right, so those are the things I would recommend. When you go to um, uh, do a resume online, you want to oil your fingers with steady work oil. When you are um, trying to uh, have any kind of um, uh, work on uh, resumes that you're doing in paper, you're going to powder them with steady work powder. And steady work um, is a good addition to dress the candles that you put on your honey jars. You didn't describe what your honey jars are, but that would be a good one to use. Clarity, you wanted clarity to go forward, you can mix clarity. And if you are need clarity on what kind of a job to get, I would recommend one other type of procedure, which is quite different than any of these magical procedures, but it, I would just simply write down all the possible job areas that you're looking for, and then write next to them what's good and what's bad. You're going to do your own sort of self-sifting, and you're going to just look at that list, think about it, put it under your pillow, go to sleep, get up in the morning, and cross off the ones that just didn't appeal. Anything you dreamed about, you're going to circle it. You're going to rewrite the list, and um, you'll have it till you have it refined down to three or four different areas of jobs, or different um, companies, or different whatever you want. When you're down to three solid things, then you can then you've got some clarity on what you want to do. Always remember that in these troubled times and days, many people have multiple streams of income. I, for instance, am a reader. I'm a writer. And I mean, a psychic reader. I do. I make uh, spiritual supplies. I mm. write books. Everybody needs multiple streams of income. Okay. Oh, Any yeah. other ideas that anybody else has on this? One thing I would recommend, uh, especially when you're in a situation like this, where you're going to make a transition, or you're looking to make some type of transition, and you're you're hoping for uh, clarity and you're hoping for success and you're hoping to get kind of all the things you're looking for, is to work with Master Root. Master Root helps mm. us to master our lives. And I'm a big proponent of getting a nice, big Master Root. You can order one from Lucky Mojo, set it up in your, on your altar, and really make it the centerpiece uh, of your altar. Work with it, light candles around it, smoke it with incense, uh, anoint it with oils, get some Crown of Success oil, get some Master Root oil, uh, and then really kind of oil the root. Uh, oiling the root, uh, people might not know what that is, but for these kind of bigger roots, John the Conqueror root, uh, Queen Elizabeth, Master Root, there's a way of oiling them, that is you actually rub oils into the root itself 
Um, that's a way of working with them. It's a way of feeding the root and getting uh, power from it. You can also uh, put your petition papers in the master root itself. One of the things that I do is I have the master root, and then when I want, I'm trying to achieve something or I want mastery over some aspect of my life, for example, I want to be a successful academic, I want to be a successful root doctor, I will write those on petition papers and then wrap them into the roots with red paper so that uh, or red, red thread, and then I will feed it and pray over it. And that's a way of kind of doing ongoing success and mastery work in your life. Okay. People are asking about Master Root in the chat room. I'm going to say at present we only have small Master Root, but it works the same way as the large ones. Yeah. Um, uh, the large ones have been hard to get, um, and I'm just going to chalk it up to our current idiot-in-chief and his trade war with China. And just leave it at yeah. that because that's <laughs> the reason. <laughs> um, small ones, we've small had... ones work exactly the same way. You can work with them yeah. exactly the same way. Yeah, small yeah, ones. There was a question. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, there was a question about the um, the uh, the little uh, lucky the lucky stones too on how mm-hmm. to get one. Mm-hmm. Oh, the lucky Do stones are absolutely available from Lucky Mojo. Um, they we have small ones and large ones. Um, there, um, someone will post the um, URL. I'm sure you can order direct online. You can order from any part of our catalog. Um, they are absolutely wonderful. The whole story of what they are uh, can be found in the current editions of Hoodoo Urban Root Magic. It was not in the first edition, and um, but it is in later editions of Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, which is always being updated anyway. And there's a whole web page on them. Um, they're also called Lucky Rocks, interestingly enough, although they're obviously not rocks or stones. And um, one of my favorite songs by Ma Rainey, an old blues song, Going to New Orleans just to find that lucky rock. And uh, and that's what it is. They, they find them washed up on the beach. But they are actually from fish that are both freshwater and saltwater fishes. And you can find them all up and down the Mississippi River. You can find them in the Great Lakes. They are found everywhere that drumfish, puppy drums, um, redfish, uh, you name it, those fish live. And you'll find these autoliths. <laughs> it's all explained online. All right. Well, it looks like, um, oh, Tony I asked, is Master Root the same as John the Conqueror Root? No, Tony I, not the same, not related, not even close. (laughs) Um, Master Root is more closely uh, related to Angelica Root. John Mm. the Conqueror is more closely related to a morning glory or sweet potato Mm. or to a um, scammony. Okay. Well, thank you guys for those um, wonderful readings, spell tips, and so forth. Um, We're going to go to our network schedule announcement, and then Angela Marie will come back with our free spell on on, uh, how to put them to sleep and wake up those spells. All right, take it away, Papa Newt. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. 
all time specific, ad free hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Angela Marie Horner of LotusRavenConjure.com in Santa Rosa, California. Take it away, Angela. Okay, so to put your spell to sleep, you're going to want a dedicated box. This box can be cardboard. This box can be wooden, glass if you have to, but I really wouldn't go there. Um, you want to put, and you want this box to be in a special place, dedicated for your box. So you're going to want to choose your box, and you're going to put your sigils on it for for peace, for sleep, for quiet. Um, these usually you can just write the spell out and then um, cross off the letters that repeat themselves and make a sigil with the letters that don't or any kind of arty way you want to do it. There's a way to build your own sigils. It's in um, the red folder, um, which the spell where it starts on page 60. So then after you've made your box, you're going to smoke the box with valerian, lavender, and that's going to be mixed into some abrimelin incense. And this is going to help to keep your spell asleep. Now, the spell itself is going to be smoked in the same thing. So you're going to light your incense burner. You're going to have that that a little bit in there. So smoke comes up, and you're going to just waft the paper through it. And you can sing it a lullaby, which is what I like to do. Or you can give it a chant. You know, it's time to go to sleep. It's time to wind down. All spirits go to rest. And, you know, you put it in the box, close the box, put it away, and don't meddle with it. Don't put it where your cats are going to knock it off the, the shelf. Don't put it, don't leave it open where your cat's going to sleep in it. You know, you know your cats, I fits, I sits. So that's how you put your spell to sleep. To kill your spell, you're going to want to use killing herbs. Now you're not going to, and you're going to do this outside, please, because don't burn them in the house. Your your killing herbs are going to be to euthanize your spell. You want to you want to uh, send away your tulpa first, and you're killing the attachment, which is what the paperwork is. Um, there's a few different killing herbs. I would not use goofer dust. That's a little violent. You could use banishing. You could use a mixture of banishing and tranquility. You can use um, black arts and banishment, but you want to basically kill the attachment so the tulpa can go away. Um, And after you have, quote-unquote, killed it, don't put it in your sleeping box. Bury it in a designated part of your garden. Take it to the graveyard and put it with your favorite spirit to sleep. But you're not gonna you're not gonna put this in your box. You can even burn it to ash. Just as you burn it, you know, you would say something like all consuming fire, take the remnants of this spell and cleanse the energy into the universe. Um, it's best to do these things from the heart and impromptu and write down your favorite ones. All right. Now, uh one of the things you said about um 
burying the the remnants here after you burn it, and then you're going to take the ashes. You're going to have a consecrated special part um, where you Hello? can bury it. Yeah, I'm here. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. Well, I hope I'm being heard. Oh, dear. Can, no, I hear can, you. You hear me. Okay. Good. Okay. Uh, yes. All right. Um, so one of the things you mentioned was um, a special part of your uh, uh, backyard as a spell garden or spell cemetery. Reminds me of an old, um, funny old ragtime song that's called, I'm going to start me a graveyard of my own. It's just a funny song. Um, but that's what you want to do. It's like a pet cemetery out in the backyard. And this would be the place where you would bury remnants of spells that you don't want to necessarily take to the graveyard. Maybe it's a long walk. Maybe there isn't one near you. Maybe they aren't um, deadly enough that you want to actually take them to a graveyard, but you are going to bury them. Um, it could be a um, a little, just a little place, maybe under a rose bush is what I used to do, under a mock orange. Mock oranges make these big old arching bushes. But if you have some place like that, you can bury your uh, spell remnants there. So it's a good way to work, and it's uh, obviously a um, a well-known way to work, or there wouldn't be a song called I'm going to start me a graveyard of my own, because obviously someone thought of this wrote a song about it. Um, one of the things I find most interesting about folk magic is it it kind of leaks out of the magic and leaks into places like song and story and dance. Yes. And yes. that's how you know it's authentic folk magic and not something that got made up for a YouTube uh, authoritarian figure to, to talk about. All right. Um, well, uh, by the way, as far as putting under a rose bush, that was where you would put things that you love. Mock orange is good for anything. They're so big. If you want to bury it mm-hmm. under something that would uh, really kill it, bury it under a walnut because walnuts will cut and clear, and walnuts um, uh, secrete a a plant hormone, which is called an auxin, and the auxin kills other plants. So um, you can take, and uh, and it's a lot of tannic acid too, and so you can take and bury anything that you don't want to have return under a walnut tree if you happen to have a walnut tree. Uh, Black walnuts are much more powerful in that regard than Persian or English walnuts, but Still, whatever mm. walnut tree you have will work. All right. Do you have anything to add to this, uh, Ali? I just want to say that the uh, I'm going to start my own, uh, start me a graveyard of my own. One, I just love that. I love the idea <laughs> of how folk magic really, you, I mean, you so rightly put it out, bleeds over into music and art, and it's a reminder that this is a, a living tradition, right? But it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, it's part of a kind of cultural practice. But that there's also a lot of aspects of folk magic that you're not going to find taught on the internet. You're going to have to listen to music. You're going to have to listen to teachers. I mean, there are people that don't know this concept of, of putting something to sleep or burying things or quote-unquote starting your own graveyard. These are kind of ways of working that you only learn if you really kind of immerse yourself and steep yourself in this cultural tradition. So I think like from the only thing I've got to add is just a plea to, to not just practice hoodoo as if it's some type of system of spells in a book of recipes, but to actually engage in the kind of cultural roots. You should be listening to the music that is part of this. You should be looking at the art that is part of this and reading the stories and engaging in the kind of cultural component that is Conjure. 
Yeah. And I'm going to I'm just going to put a few more out here. Use a spirea or bridal wreath to bury spells for marriage. Think about what you got mm. in your garden. Um, there's so many of these plants that have a meaning, and um, like elder, I'll look up their meaning and then and then bury spells under them. That's a very good way to work. Any old tree will work if you have nothing else. Uh, an old oak is always wise. Old bay is always wise. All right, um, we could do a whole. Um, show on trees. I guess I got my mind on trees because I'm going to be teaching the apprenticeship on herbs and candles and waters and washes. But I got my mind all set on herbs because that's what's coming up tomorrow. I'm going to go to sleep, get up in the morning, try to be down there at 9 o'clock bright and early with boxes and boxes and boxes of herbs, boxes of books about herbology, and we're going to be having a wonderful time with my apprentices. If you want to take my course, the Hoodoo correspondence course, Who Do Root Work correspondence course, is available to people who have purchased supplies from my shop, have an interview with me. If that's uh, enough for you, stop there. If you want to come and graduate and take the apprenticeship, by all means, please do. I have plenty of time and uh, lots of interest in teaching people face-to-face. All righty, I'm going to turn this over to Papa Newt, and he's going to give us our uh, a closing announcements, and we're all going to come back and say goodbye. Thank you, Ms. Cat and Congressman Ali, and thank you, Angela Marie Horner of LotusRavenConjure.com and Santa Rosa, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week as our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers will be Ms. Michael of HoodooFoundry.com in Willis, California, bringing this topic of overcoming obstacles to successful prayer and meditation. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Ms. Cat by the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Contraband Ali at thecontraband.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt, joining from PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubik Tower can be heard every week live on Block Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archive by LuckyMojo.com slash radio show.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Checkman playing the Checkman Walt. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Speedy. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Ricochet. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.